if you remember one thing that I say, um, here's the one thing, and then you can do what you will for the next 10 minutes. We might have been invited in this past year and in the year to come into a kind of healing we didn't know was possible. All of us, personally, collectively. A kind of healing we did not know was possible. In month 22 of the COVID-19 pandemic, while Brian was governor of Georgia, Keisha, mayor, Joseph, president of the United States, and we aren't sure exactly how to name who the Caesar is because it's not clear to me that anyone has the power to change the things that haunt us in our sleep today in these times. But at that time of year, when all the world seemed snarled in traffic on all the streets called Peachtree, <laughs> and all the leaf blowers of the land returned to their home place near your house at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I could say to sing their songs of freedom, but that's just cruel, right? <laughs> While car windows seem particularly vulnerable, and parking a great leap of faith, hope against hope, in these unusually warm and then shockingly cold days, the people of this land took it upon themselves to learn the Greek alphabet. <laughs> We're learning Omicron this month. And things like KN95, N95, KF94 this week. We have been shown the plight of workers of many kinds in this time, previously invisible to many of us, although essential. Today we know to pray for candle makers, for migrant workers, for truck drivers, for people who work on ships and on docks, store clerks, security guards, maintenance workers, school teachers, hospital workers, shot givers, virus detectors. And please do, Offer your prayers for those essential workers who have helped you through this past year. Call them to mind. At the end of October, the children of this same land dressed up as UPS and FedEx workers and superheroes and princesses, paying childlike holy tribute to their lifeline to the outside world, lo these many months. And the heroes that we would all call down upon us today if we could. We as a nation in this same time decided or were forced to consider the hardest things in these isolated at home and hearth times. How we work, what we want for our lives, what's worth the money we make. For a younger generation than me, how will we shape our lives, they're asking. What will this earth be like and what is our part in that? And as a people on this part of the earth, we are learning what is missing in our history, in our founding stories, and asking questions like, why do some people die at the hands of the police and not others? The hardest questions. Why does opportunity look so different in this country based upon the color of your skin or where you were born or where you grew up? Can we individually be well if everyone is not well? Which medical procedures should we legislate? What opportunities must be offered to all? Fundamentally, what is our commitment to one another? 
And it seemed that many of us, as has been true in the past, found ourselves in a moment in which we imagined things could be different. Actually, they should be different. They should be better. And we have known the resistance in ourselves and around us that comes to even thinking about change at that level. Because change hurts. It shakes up how we know how to be, even if we don't like how things are right now, right? It hurts all of us. We are afraid, like those shepherds who we are told, looking back, heard some good news fall out of the sky. There is some comfort for many in what is already known. Change projects an unknown future, and it can feel like it threatens our very survival, and it definitely does threaten things as they are. In these past few years, many of us have learned the term trauma-informed care. Now, I'm not a clinician, so I won't give you a lecture on it, but I've been thinking about it for the last couple of years, and I bet many of you have heard the term as well. It includes many things, but I was thinking about those shepherds today, or this past week, right, these shepherds that we hear about, and thinking about trauma-informed care. And one of its aspects is it's kind of the opposite of how most of us have learned to get by in life in the same way that COVID is telling us to do the opposite of what most of us know how to get by. We know to come together, we know to gather, we know to touch each other, right? We know to greet one another. COVID tells us the opposite. Trauma-informed care says this. Instead of telling our bodies to push through the hardest things, to stay cheered up, ignore them, to push down our memories of the hardest things, things that hurt us, like some of the things I've just mentioned, but they're very personal things as well for most of us. Trauma-informed care says something more like, when you notice your anger or your freezing up or your fear that comes from remembering something in the past, just remembering it, right, some kind of pain, that memory, which is enough to send our bodies into a self-protective mode, rage, shutting down, freezing up, withdrawing, defensive, if it is a memory, if you are currently not threatened, send your body a different message. You can do it, it tells us. Tell yourself, we are safe, only if you are, right? It's okay that you're not alone, if you're not. Self-soothing is what we call it when we notice it in our pets or our babies, right? Turns out we need it too, for our whole lives. We cannot help but notice, right? And you can do it right now, that if you, if you did it because I said it, it immediately begins to calm us down, like prayer does, like those ancients knew something, that our brains and our bodies, our central nervous system, they say, is wired to be vigilant and help us protect ourselves, like those shepherds trying to keep those sheep safe. And even the memory of pain, fear, can get our self-protective mechanisms going. There could be danger, right? But if we are comforted, and we can do it for ourselves, swaddled in these new truths, wrapped up, then we can go on to be the open-hearted and resilient people that we want to be, enough to live with courage in this world of unending change and potentially new fear, that we can be kind and open for the long haul. Now that first year of our Lord, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, it was cataclysmic then as well. The scholars tell us that there was a great building project in the area. The governor was building a fine outpost, and the people were being taxed to fund that work. It was a tough time. 
Joseph the carpenter might have worked on some of these projects. He was a worker. It was the work available. It's interesting to imagine what Jesus would have learned from the work of Joseph. The story is telling us of regular people, like essential workers, buffeted by the whims of history, shepherds and carpenters. And in that house of bread, which is what Bethlehem needs, means, that literal hearth for the nation, the place of David, not quite Jerusalem, but not too far, just a long walk away, another baby is born into a world in which his family has no great influence. They cannot protect him from the forces around him to which they are vulnerable. They don't really know what their own future will be because it will matter what the mayor and the governor and the emperor decide over the years. But Mary and Joseph have dreamed that this child is the hope of the future, a liberating person, a visionary, an heir of the throne of David, the Son of God. For their little family, aglow with the wash of love that floods so many new families, a new life to risk and do everything for, wrapped up tight, for the soul-deep comfort that wrapping up tight can bring. Visited by the first-century equivalent of that postal worker with a message. Hope is reborn in the world, a bright light in the midst of suffering. Twenty-two months of it, of a particular kind for us, a lifetime for many. So let us wrap ourselves and those we love in these messages of truth and comfort. And let us calm our brains and nerves with the truths that we are learning. Let us face directly the truth of our times, that we may see and love the visions of hope being proclaimed. And let us respond as that holy family on that first day, and love hope, love vulnerability, Love those who dream the world might change. Maybe trust a dream that you have had. Listen to it and know the message of the angels. Glory to God in the highest, and peace, goodwill to all whom God favors. For unto us is born this day in the city of David our salvation. Merry Christmas.